Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Yes, we're here to inject some meaning into this pretty meaningless international break because it's not about whether we can beat Cyprus or whether we can get gubbed by Kazakhstan again and it's not about that new Scotland kit yet. It's about finding the team that's going to take us to Euro 2020 via the Nations League playoffs. So we'll be picking our team on this podcast. Alan McGregor, expect a call, big man. That may be tough, but it's proving tougher to pick the new Hearts manager. From McPhee to McGatt, we'll try to make sense of the contenders and pretenders. I'm Andrew Slavin, and alongside me from The Telegraph, soon to be the bookies' favourite to become head coach at Tynecastle. JJ Bull. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> no, that's true. No, of yeah. course not. Oh, God, I wouldn't hire you. Um, next to him, from Kicker, reportedly in the running to be Hart's new sporting director, it's Anthony Joseph. Hello. Does that mean I could sack him and then become manager myself? I think so, yeah. The way it works at Hart's. Yeah. You're rubbing your hands right now. You're like, <laughs> could I, I could sack him. But you would hire him first. Aye, so you, yeah. would, you would gladly hire him just to fire him. Yeah, this would be in our long-term... Be, be Strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, this week marks the 20th anniversary of this. Daly. Just an arm raise for a cross. Daly tries to thread a pass and he's done a fine one for Neil McCann. Hutchison! Scotland have scored! Yep, 20 years ago this week. Scotland won at Wembley thanks to that header from Don Hutchison. We beat England 1-0 in the playoffs, but we still lost on aggregate, which is in true Scottish fashion. England qualified for Euro 2000. We didn't. Another glorious failure. Do you guys remember this? Yes. Do you know where you were? I know exactly where I was. I was nine years old, and uh, I was wondering about Robert Gordon's college in Aberdeen because my parents were getting a tour of the school because my brother was possibly going there and I had one of these headsets on but you know one of those FM transmitter things that you could listen to the radio oh yeah yeah, listen to Radio Scotland of the game and I remember when Don Hutchison scored I was running about one of the little (laughs) classrooms (laughs) while all the other parents were were just like what's this kid doing that's amazing memory because I was 12 and I don't really remember it I remember things like that all the time I remember the goal going in but I just remember like thinking that it didn't matter until we scored another Obviously, Paul Scholes, I think, scored two. It was 2 0, wasn't it, yeah. in the first leg? Um, Damn you, Paul Scholes! Um, JJ, where were you? <laughs> uh, I have no idea where, where I was. I'd have been about 14 or whatever. I was probably playing guitar. Just trying you know? to be trying to be cool. I don't know. I don't remember you if under I watched a tree. It or not. I can't remember. Under a tree, playing guitars to, to girls. Um, no. <laughs> no. Definitely not when I was 14. <laughs> okay, uh, well, some of you. Might be tuning in, expecting to hear a conversation about the front page of the Times Scotland today, uh, reporting that a blunder from HMRC might have been to blame for the financial implosion at Rangers in 2012. Um, But frankly, we are not experts. There's plenty of elements in this story that will be filled in in time, they'll be verified, so it's we're not going to talk about it because we're just not the right people to talk about it. Yeah, we're not um, experts in tax yeah, or law. A point that should be made is that at the time, Rangers faced a £14 million bill allowing to unpaid PAYE and national insurance and they subsequently went into liquidation. So let's swiftly move on. Scotland travelled to Cyprus on Saturday before hosting Kazakhstan in Euro 2020 qualifiers. And we've seen the return of two words that often play a part in the lead-up to Scotland games. Genuinely injured. 
So we've got Andy Robertson, Ryan Fraser and Scott McTominay who have all pulled out of the squad. Do we read anything into the fact that those three English Premier League players and their teams might have been trying to absolutely confuse situations and just be, you know, the teams are getting involved. Yeah, in, absolutely. In it's with it, the, the game load is huge in the Premier League and they've got like such a massive busy uh, schedule coming up over the Christmas period. They don't have a break in England as well. Scotland cannot qualify <laughs> from the group. So there's no need to play these games. They don't need to be there. So you think it's the right decision just to, you know... I mean, not, you know. it's like... How much national pride do you really need to beat Cyprus and Kazakhstan? Does it really matter? These players, I mean, this is their job, their livelihood. They get paid lots of money to play for these big clubs. Especially, like, Andy Robertson's basically not had a break for however long, and he runs about 400 miles every single (laughs) match. So that's relevant. McTominay, when you have that many games, there's a a fair chance that you pick up muscle injuries if you're always playing. and then He's he's never pulled out of a Scotland squad before, as well. Right. Well, I mean, there could be a little thing that they're just not sure about, Mm. and it's not worth the risk, because if he misses out, then that's... I mean, United are in a bit of trouble as well. Brian Fraser is always out of the squad, though, because, I mean, I think he's... I don't see he's injury-prone, because that's not fair. I think we've got to take it more generally. I I don't doubt that these three individuals aren't injured or have got niggles or whatever that they could do with the rest. But the whole withdrawals and call-offs is getting a bit farcical now in the in the grand scheme of things so the last couple of years it's it's been like that it's it would be good to know the exact reasons for each player or do they come up to scotland get checked out by the scotland physios and then get the chance to withdraw before they even get called up do they not just say oh i've got a niggle or 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 whatever and won't be even called called up that would be a better pr move for scotland that definitely than so many people being called up and then withdrawing yeah, uh, gradually yeah because yeah. the manager will phone them won't what, they and, yeah, and, and speak to them and happens, you know. the, the England national team is made up of basically all English Premier League players don't see many call-offs with them yeah there's no there's no Kieran Tierney either but you know he was fit enough to make Arsenal's Europa League side and Steve Clarks came out and said that Arsenal requested he was left out of the squad due to an ongoing issue That's, yeah he's still playing games though recuperation from yeah. like he's had a really serious hip problem so like yeah. you can't just put double again, operations well on it so. yeah you can't I mean you can play a game in the Europa League um, I don't think he's played full 90 yet you know, that might be a lie actually no he, he has yeah. Yeah. he's Did played he? a couple of times alright well yeah. that's good but then you can't make him play two games in a week uh, while he's coming from that kind of bit also Emery will be wanting him to work on things with the rest of the team at Arsenal so he can get used to what Emery's wanting to do because he's not been able to work with him on the pitch yet, really, in training. Mm-hmm. So now he's got some time where he can finally work on him and that'll help Arsenal. And I mean, they're in a bit of trouble as well. There's loads of stuff going on there. So again, I totally understand it. But then I also see where people would be like, oh, it's Scotland, you should be... Mm-hmm. So you should be up there straight away. Yeah, it's, it's that thing of, you know, you should be jumping at your chance to play for your country. It's, the, the, it's the old ways have kind of died now, haven't they, with that idea that international football is the peak of your your footballing career. I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, that that, that might change if we get to a major tournament. Ah. Playing playing for Scotland, look look at some of the England players as well. I hate always comparing it to England, but look at the national pride that that came. Northern Ireland, if you want. Yeah, but the pride that that came from last year's World Cup and and things like that, they're not pulling out Mm. for for injuries, for games that probably just as meaningless as ours. I don't know if it will happen... Towards me have the uh, oh god I've forgotten the name of the new made up Nations, Nations League, League playoff. Uh, so that might change things and players suddenly have this newfound motivation and inspiration to play for it because they can achieve something and you can build some momentum and might be the case in like World Cup qualifying yeah. comes around That's you might start to build it there so on the plus side I should say 
JJ, you'll be delighted that Graham Shinney's back in. I think Because you never talk about him on the podcast, so I'm just going to throw him at you right now. Well, I would say the last three times you mentioned Graham Shinney in the podcast has been because you've raised it. <laughs> <laughs> but like we said, you never wrote a song about time. Graham Shinney or anything. I've like heard that. songs about a million footballers. <laughs> get about 45 of them or something. Um, yeah, yeah. So the other thing as well, that we've got a new kit. It's uh-huh. quite nice. What do you think about this kit? Looks like a Ross County kit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like it. It's all blue. I think Scotland look better when it's all blue. Yeah, I like it, but then um, one of my friends pointed out that uh, the shorts are a different colour to the top. And he doesn't well, like it because of that. I've not seen it in the flesh, so I don't know. The only the only sure. two previous occasions when Scotland wore all blue, Euro 96, when we were close to, agonisingly close to reaching the quarterfinals. But we're always close to reaching something. Yeah, true. Well, here we go. And then back in 2007, when we, we had Alex McLeish as the boss, we almost finished ahead of France and Italy to qualify for Euro 2008. That's good. So we're losing the final of the Nations League. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Time for us now to pretend we are Steve Clark, who's a very good football manager. Uh, we know Clark will be looking to find a team to compete in the Nations League playoffs which at present may include Hungary, Norway, Serbia. Um, so let's pretend the playoffs are tomorrow, right? Um, injuries are no obstacle. So who's in your starting 11 to get us to Euro 2020? Maybe we should decide on formation first? It's got to be 4 5 one. Yeah, but like a 4-2-3-1. It can be any variable yeah, yeah. you want. It can do whatever you want. I went 4-2-3-1. So, yeah, it seems, to be, it seems to be the way Scotland play anyway. That's yeah, a 4 five, one, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a variation of 4 5 <laughs> It depends uh, on your numbers. So, yeah. who's in goal for you guys? Uh, Marshall for me, because, he, well, he's from the last few squads, he's the only decent goalkeeper who's still still playing. Going for experience. The experience, here. and he's been doing well for Scotland. Even the games against Russia, he kept it, especially the home game, he kept the score down to two. And unless Fraser Forster gets injured at Celtic and Scott Bain and uh, Gordon are playing, there's there's no one really to to get that first choice slot what about you JJ well McGregor's done right he's not coming back I don't know enough about these keepers I've watched a bit in Wisecape but like the ones who are available uh, a goalkeeping coach friend I have says that um, McGill goalkeeper friend goalkeeper friend <laughs> uh, done quite well Craig McGilvery at Portsmouth done yeah. it's been okay um, he reckons Marshall's passed it he'd know more than I would so I trust him in that mm-hmm. apparently John McLaughlin needs a look at so he might be some point he, could he had a well. howler recently, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, a goalkeeper makes a howler, and they let. I mean, you notice it. If a striker yeah, yeah. misses a control, no one cares. I mean, that's such cliche, but you yeah. know what I mean. So, so John McLaughlin from Sunderland deserves a look. Deserves a little bit. I think the whole. But, point but we're now talking. Is we're talking about you know the games tomorrow. Do you throw him into the game tomorrow? Is that um, maybe a bit early for that? I think we have to make a decision here. We've got to be Steve Clark. We've got to be ruthless. Two games away from qualifying. I don't think I'd throw him in. Yeah, but we're doing that straight. I mean, if you're going for like an actual game to play tomorrow, then you play Marshall because he's got some experience there we go. of playing. Fine. There we go. But I don't want to do that. I want to go for the longer term strategy. You want to put you want to put the team's progression in jeopardy. I think we need to build, and I, do, I think it doesn't matter if we like, even we don't qualify through Nations League. Honestly, just just build and build something that'll be we've better. Been, we've been trying to build for. T- <laughs> Twenty odd yeah, but then, years. They, then they have two years and they change the manager because people decide that Strachan's wrong or this is out. And it's well, well, I'm going to be the all-seeing decision maker here, and it, it will be David Marshall in goal. Um, most experience, uh, just the sensible decision. In this hypothetical scenario, who are we playing tomorrow? Um, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Bulgaria is going to be the most likely 
than they the second are one. Rubbish, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's we could win that's this. Right. But that's okay, I'm in. But you're right, though. It's that's just one game, one game at two, Hamden. Two ties that we have to play because yeah. it's you know home and away. If we win that, then it's a flip of a coin as to where we play the, exactly. the next one. All right. Okay. Um, so defenders now. So we've got four at the back. I'll go. I'll throw this to you, JJ. First, then name your four straight away, so we can kind of get through it quite quickly. <laughs> um, I don't really know what to do. I mean, Stephen O'Donnell's the only real person you can put it right back. I think it depends. There's a couple of things you could do tactically. If you change the way your shape moves up the pitch in different ways, so you end up with a back three, and then our players could drop into mm-hmm. certain other positions. But I think I mean Andrew Robertson has to play at left back. I think there's there's no way you can get out of that. I don't think Tierney should be played in the right because he's left footed. Maybe it would work against someone, a team like Belgium, where the left inside forward comes into their stronger foot, and then he can defend on his stronger foot. You see what I mean? Sure. So a right footer goes on against the left footer. That makes sense. But he's not used to that position. I think that's really important. So you'd say O'Donnell has to be the natural do, choice. Do, do you think? Do you think it's because I think Tierney should be fitting into the team somewhere. I think you've got to fit him in somewhere. And I, I used, to, and I think I've said it on the podcast before, that I was very much against playing Tierney at right back. Yeah. But I just think that's the only way now. Because, it, because, it, because, it, because you, O'Donnell... You want to put your best players yeah, in your O'Donnell, team. O'Donnell, I really like O'Donnell, but... He, he tries really hard. He's just not good enough at international level. Yeah. And, and he's as, been as caught well, out. Yeah, he's he caught out heavily against Tierney's, Russia. Tierney's played right back against England, Slovenia at home, and it's it's been fine. And it's, it's, it's not it's not well. it's not natural, but it's I think it's the best solution. Otherwise, you're carrying that you're carrying a player at right back position, I, which O'Donnell I, is. I just think Tierney could still play at, at right back. If I'm yeah. honest, I know he's left footed. I get that, but he's, he shouldn't be going up the wing. So I but, think if but, he plays there, they can t- they can pull across as a back three, and then you can play Robbo can get higher up, and then yeah. you could have a wider right like Forrest. So yeah. you've got width. Yeah, that's all. I, that I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, the, the other issue, but Tierney's best uh, attributes are going forward. The other yeah, issue, throwing Tierney in, is he hasn't played for Scotland for over a year now. The, the last one was the Israel game away, and by the time it's March, it'll be over eighteen months since he's played for Scotland. So are we are we going to stump and say Tierney for for right back? I'm going to say Tierney. That's what I've, well, that's what I've, picked. I've said Tierney as well. So you're overruled. I would put Tierney either at right or as left centre back because then he can move okay. over into that three. Uh, so we've got Robertson obviously confirmed at left back. We're going to say Tierney at right back. We're forcing that into the team. Sorry, Stephen O'Donnell. Um, centre backs. I- I'll go first. I was going to say um, McKenna and Cooper. Liam Cooper. Yeah. Leeds. Uh, I mean, Scott McKenna, I think, has to go in. He's not been his best this season. I don't. I'm not exactly sure why. His little few mistakes and little bits where he doesn't seem quite switched on. But he's still, I think, comfortably the best centre back. And I think next to him. I like John Sutra a lot because he can play with the ball mm-hmm. and I think that's, that would be a good partnership they should work on for, for longer term as well but I mean Declan Gallagher's been really good this season has, and you yeah. think like, like he's top of all Boy Scout stats and things like that but just watching him he's a, a clearly very talented I think Ryan Porteous is going to be a great player yeah I agree so again you could start building that partnership now but maybe it's better that McKenna and, and Sutra are for now and then Porteous can come into it as a I was under, I've got McKenna in there, solid defender. I know he's not having the his, uh, the best of seasons, but I couldn't decide between Suter and actually Mulgrew. And I think Mulgrew's <laughs> I, Charlie I think, Mulgrew. I think he's got that experience. He's he's a cool head and very composed on the ball, and something that Scotland did you see Scotland him against centre back? Did you see him against Juba? He got absolutely manhandled. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to get that same kind of pressure against Bulgaria. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe he's, you'd have McKenna on Juba though, and maybe Mulgrew can be the guy who plays out from the back. He's very composed on the ball, and he's he's good at set pieces, whether he's taking them or in the box. Yeah, he's got a one but, on the left but, foot. But I did say, I did say, <laughs> so I can, many left-footed defenders. Yeah, well, well, that's it. My, my back four is all left-footed, but yeah. we had that against England, all left-footed back four with Beran and, and Mulgrew. Um, I but, just think there's a case for Cooper. He's he's captain yeah, of Leeds. He's captain of Leeds. He's a, he's a leader, and I think we don't have many of them at Scotland. I know he hasn't had the best start in a Scotland jersey, but you know he's playing well for Leeds at the top end of this the English Championship. Well, I you, think that's good enough. If you put Robbo and Cooper and McKenna and Tierney in the same back four, that's four captains, really. McKenna's yeah, although Scotland. Tierney's not an official captain at, at no, Arsenal. But, I mean, he is really. I mean, he'll he'll sort them right out. You you would think he you know maybe Tierney would be one of the only people in that Arsenal team who who knows what leadership actually is. So so what what are we saying? We have to nail this left side of centre back place. We know McKenna's in. All right, we'll play Tierney at right back, assuming that someone's going to be going to defend, uh, attacking so him. Tierney on McKenna, to Robertson, it's that other centre back. So uh, I said Mulgrew. I, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, no, but I think JJ will be with me that I'm ruling out Mulgrew. Uh, Mulgrew. No, he's going. Yeah, so yeah Mulgrew's gone. Um, if I've got, if you've got to the settle the debate, I'll go with Cooper. Fine. If that yeah, helps. I, I, I'm, I'm happy if everyone agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> and Cooper, he's a, he's a leader. He's, he's captain for Leeds. He's doing well. He's in. He's in. Right, midfielders. This is when the fun begins. Uh, we have so many. So many midfielders. Um, are we playing with a double pivot or a six and two eights? What are we doing? Instantly made me think of Ross from Friends. When you said <laughs> pivot, pivot. Anthony, you start us off are with the, the two defenders. sort of deep lying playmakers. Shall we say? Two, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. With McGinn and McGregor, I think McGinn can almost be that box to box role, and McGregor can sit uh, deeper. McGinn's a good battler, and he, I think he offers more than McTominay, even especially mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. To support the the attacking midfielders, yeah. uh, McGregor I'd say is probably one of the best ball playing midfielders in that squad. He's, he gets a lot of his work goes unnoticed. He manages to shift play very easily, and he's uh, I think he's needed in that in that Scotland squad. Yeah, JJ, uh, you go with yours first. I want to see what you've got. I, I I've got John McGinn as well, uh, but he's in a deep line midfielder role. But I know he's. He's more than that. He is box to box. As he, part of a two, or as, as part one. of a two with uh, Kenny McLean. I've got Kenny McLean in there because I actually think, as good a ball player as McGregor is, I don't think we're industrious enough. I think sometimes we can be quite soft in the belly of midfield. And I think with McGinn and McLean, they are good enough to control the ball and to win enough of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, because McGregor, I think, can be a little bit soft in winning the ball back. He's not he's not in a Celtic team that have to win the ball back all the time, but he's there to orchestrate. And I don't think Scotland are in a position to orchestrate the game. I think we just have to win that midfield a bit better. So that's why I've got McLean and McGinn in there. Well... I've got, I mean, there's a couple of ways. I think the most basic way you could do it is probably have, uh, probably have a double pivot, and you'd have, you know, two players who can win the ball and go box box. But I think we should model it more in like how Leicester play. So it's like a four-one-four-one, okay. four-one, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, because you've got lots of bodies to defend in a block, and then you can also you can actually get at people and attack them. And it, I just think it, I think it'll work. So you want Ndidi to play for Scotland? I do. Yes, I would love Ndidi <laughs> for Scotland. But uh, in, in that, like, I'd, I'd like Ryan Jack to be in the team. I don't think he should be. I think that holder should be. Although I don't think it works quite so well for for Celtic because I think Scott Brown is just like one of the best defensive midfielders, certainly in recent Scottish player history. Mm. But I mean, I'm not going to go and say one of the best ever. Mm. No, 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 way. no, no, no. But uh, but 
So Cal McGregor, I think you'd have as a holder, and then you'd have John McGinn, and hear me out, maybe Ryan Christie. Yeah. Because then you can attack with like both of those can go box. Clark can coach, you know, and he's a very good manager. So they could have those. They're basically eights doing that. I'd also have uh, Christie further up as a false nine or just as, yeah. a, as a yeah. nine. Yep, that's right. That's where I have him. Yeah, that's where I have him. And I agree with you in Christie <laughs> because I think he's good enough. I think he's got a big enough football brain that he can. That's why I like. I, I'd see them Christie and McGinn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see Christie and McGinn kind of swapping. They can play both roles. I think. Um, McGinn's box to box I think he can, he'll drop it deep but he likes to make third man runs in the box so you know he's always going to be there I think you can play McGinn and McLean um, yeah you can't but, play McGinn so, so who are you going for then I'm the only one that said McLean is in my team I think we're in agreement we've got McGinn we've got Christie as that forward uh, midfielder, midfielder yeah. um, but we're kind of between McGregor even Ryan Jack, who I think deserves a, a, a chance. So I, but I don't think I'd throw him into this game if the game was tomorrow. I'm going to be very Maybe specific I would, actually. and nerdy here, Maybe right? I would. So if, we, if, we, if we're going in this 4-1-4-1 thing that I like, right, what would happen is when we defend, you'd have someone who protects, stands in front of the defence, so that'd be McGregor, who's popping it about, and that helps you with ball retention and to close spaces down and to keep the ball moving. So if we can win a turnover in our own half, there's someone who can keep the ball not just shelling it away, which is what often tends to happen. So that's why they're there. But when they go forward, McGregor can move up into the higher strata next to like McGinn or Christie, depending on who is there. Another one can go up and be a 10. So then you've got another player through the middle with a striker and you've got two wide players. One of them's obviously going to be James Forrest, right? Yeah. On the right, yeah. So then that way you attack as a four, but you defend with yeah. with six. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we've got players good enough. We've got talented players, but I don't think we are good enough or confident enough to throw five players forward like most teams would attack with. But you could have a four who attack, and that way you've still got a ten. It'd be one of McGinn or Christie mm-hmm. backing up to the whoever is a striker. And then um, I just know we'd win a million goals. So uh, McGinn and Christie, but who's this other centre-ish well, midfielder we've both said McGregor, McGregor haven't we McGregor yeah. yeah so John McGinn McGregor Christie and then so we all I guess we all have Forrest, Forrest on, on the, the left right. or on the right. sorry on the right sorry and then on the left I've got Fraser Fraser works, for me works that line well he's he's very direct and he's yeah always good for a well, goal the, and assist over the last year Certainly or so last year he was yeah. one of the top assisters so. mm-hmm. uh, I see yeah but I think Stephen Naismith to go wide, wide left interesting I like your thinking, but explain yourself. He uh, presses from the front, so he wins the ball. He's, he's basically having a ball-winning forward in your team, and you can keep him at wide left, but bear in mind you've got Andrew Roberts on the left who's going to go up to provide your width, mm-hmm. so which means Naismith can cut inside and play more in the in that hole behind the striker, but also just across the line. He can dart about. It gives him a bit of freedom. Also, you see it when he plays for Hearts, that like you saw it last week. Just the way he shouts at players around him gets everyone up to a higher level. You've got to have him, I think, in the first 11. If he makes Hearts look like a better team than they are, he would. I think he would make Scotland much better. And if you think what's up top compared to what's at the back, I think you need another leader at that part of the team as well. I think that's, that's a fair point. But with me and Anthony both going for Fraser, you are outvoted. So would you then... If Fraser's on the left, would you put Naismith as your centre-forward? I don't know, I think he'd be wasted because he'd just be running... And, would, and why, can, why couldn't Fraser be that man as well, who cuts in? Because he also does... He, do, he plays on the left and he, he does cut in a lot. And he's also played at wing-back as well for Bournemouth. Because Bonner. I think Fraser goes missing quite a bit in games. Yeah. And I think he is a straight-up winger. He doesn't want to go inside the pitch. Like He was saying this the other week that Eddie Howe has him always playing a, a way that he doesn't really... In, 
enjoy. He wants yeah. to be able to like you know do whatever he wants to do. I don't think he's been as good this season for Bournemouth as he was last season by a mile. He's yeah. been injured quite yeah. a bit, so that's that's one thing. But uh, he doesn't have the same. Like he's not. He's not. He's not Stephen Naismith. Naismith brings something. He brings bite a bit of character and is committed. I'm. I'm willing. I'm willing to kind of uh, side with JJ on this, to be honest, because based on the reason that why I put Liam Cooper at centre back, I don't think we have enough leaders. Um, and when I said we're soft in the middle, I think we need more of that leadership. And Stephen Naismith provides that in abundance. You see him for Hearts yeah. when they scored five last weekend. And the way he was grabbing each and every player and keeping everyone focused, he can do that for Scotland as well. I, I'm I'm willing to to put Fraser on the bench yeah, okay. and put Naismith out on left wing. I win. Um, and, and in so, context, remember this doesn't matter because none of this is real. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. Unless Steve Clark's listening and suddenly has a light bulb moment. <laughs> um, Centre forward, the final position to fill. I've got Lee Griffiths. I have went Lee Griffiths and also. please, can we all just pray that he's fine and fit and ready to we, play for Scotland in March? Are we all agreement out of the options that we have as centre-forwards for Scotland, Lee Griffiths is the best centre-forward that we could possibly, possibly have, have available? Yeah. Yes. Even just even if he's just making sub-appearances for Celtic, get him in the squad and get him on the, on the pitch in March. Because in August, when it looked like he was making his comeback, he, he scored a couple of goals at the start of the season. Of this season, but uh, he, he just scores goals, whether it's free kicks, headers, tappings, goes from outside the box. He's got trickery to get by players. He runs the channels. Is what yeah. Need, yeah. You look at you look at the other options that you have. Oliver Burke, who is on loan from West Brom to to Alaves in Spain. You have Oliver McBurney, a twenty odd million pound striker from Swansea to Sheffield United. <sighs> And, and, and also also kind of was in the press for all the wrong reasons for apparently not wanting to play for Scotland um, which was you know and other recent reasons yeah. and then Lauren Shankland who obviously scored against San Marino um, yeah. but plays also, in the Scottish Championship I think he could become yeah, a great I'd, player I'd, I'd have him as second choice over Burke and McBurney I'd as, have Shankland second as, choice as an out and out goal scorer you could argue for Shankland but yeah. I just think yeah. if it, again I say it this is all hypothetical the game is apparently tomorrow and we mm-hmm. have to pick the team based on this so you'd have to go for um, the best possible striker. Yeah. I also yeah. did say that injuries, you know, injuries don't yeah. matter in this uh-huh. fake world that we're creating. But That's why we're choosing Lee Griffiths. Mm-hmm. But look, we need goals. Take away the eight goals we've scored against San Marino this campaign. We've only scored three goals against the other teams. Three goals. That's that's shocking. We we need we need goals, and Lee Griffiths scores goals. So here's the team that will take us to the Euros. Steve Clark. Listen in, Marshall in goals, Tierney at right back, McKenna, Cooper, Robertson, then in midfield we've got McGinn, McGregor, Christie, then Forrest and Naismith supporting Lee Griffiths up front. I like the sound of it. I like it as well. Do you? (laughs) I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Football pundits who actually understand management, special. Winning the little jackpot on Paddy Power Games, not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com, 18plusbegumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
It's been two weeks since Hearts got rid of their manager and ten days since Hibbs followed suit. But so far, no new appointments in Edinburgh. We're joined now by a man who's been at the centre of this story all week, Barry Anderson of the Scotsman and Edinburgh Evening News. Barry, we're speaking on Thursday evening. You've written today. Three people have been interviewed so far for the Hearts job. Who are they? Yeah, Stuart McCall, uh, Jack Ross and Steve Cottrell have been interviewed so far. I think there's, there's certainly more planned. You know, this is just kind of start because Hearts are quite keen to do a, a, a quite a a lot of diligence on different managers and explore all their options. So, um, yeah, they've, uh, they've got three in the bag so far. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that any of those three will get the job. I think there's a lot of exploring to be done first. Steve Cotterill's certainly experienced. 55 years old, he's managed nine clubs in England and Ireland, but never in Scotland. Is that likely to excite Hearts fans? Yeah, yeah I mean, they'll certainly be people who will be open to the idea and there'll be others who, who won't be too impressed I think without being in the interview it's obviously difficult to judge he's certainly got Steve Cotter's got plenty of experience in England uh, a number of clubs that he's managed a number of fairly big clubs you would say uh, so I mean he would bring I think quite a, a lot of knowledge quite a lot of know-how but he hasn't worked in Scotland before so that would obviously go against him I would put him in the high profile category so you know there's Pros and cons. And the Jack Ross situation, he's reportedly been interviewed by Hearts and Hibs. Is there a danger that the longer this goes on, he might not go to any club? Well, I think he's, he's certainly got a decision to make because I think he knows that Hibs are keen on him and he's spoken to them and he knows now that he's spoken to Hearts and heard what they've got to say. So it's a big decision for him. He obviously worked at Hearts previously as under-20 coach. Um, no Scottish football, obviously, uh, being manager at Allo and St Mirren, so there's, it's a big call for him now. You know, He's obviously keen to get back in the game as quickly as he can after Sunderland, so whoever he picks has uh, certainly got a good manager on their hands, I would say that. Do you expect um, many more names to be in the fold going forward, and do you think Austin McPhee has a genuine shot? There will be more names in the fold um, regarding Hearts. I think I wouldn't rule Austin out completely for the manager's job, but I think it's unlikely at this stage anyway that they would, they would appoint him. Um, I think he would be more likely to have a chance with the, of the sporting director's role. What kind of profile do you think Hearts fans are actually hoping for? Is it is it former Bayern Munich and Fulham manager Felix McGat? He's applied, hasn't he? Yeah, Felix McGat's applied. Um, I think he... He's certainly got the background and the and the achievements that would impress Hearts fans. You know, if you've won the Bundesliga in Germany three times, then you know there's, there's not too many that can turn their nose up at you. Even though it didn't work out for him at Fulham, that was a wee bit of a disaster. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it is someone like that. Someone with I think they're looking for someone with as much experience as possible and as high a profile as possible. Whether they get that or not, um, is obviously remains to be seen. Because the number, you know, anyone with high profile, anyone with a lot of experience, they're going to be looking at England because that's where all the money is. So, you know, there, there might be the, the actual candidate who gets appointed manager by Hearts may not be quite as high profile as some people uh, are expecting. But I think it's more the most important thing is it's the right guy. You know, it's got to be the right guy that Hearts bring in after after the period of Craig Wilbein had in charge and Ian Cathro before him. There wasn't you know, nowhere near enough success, so we've got to get this one right. 
Lads, did anyone see Harry Kuehl was at Hibs in their first away victory of the season? A 4-1 win that was at St Johnston on Saturday. But still, there's been nothing on that front. He did say Hibs was an option. Well, yeah, he, he also said Hibs was an option previously as well. He said he was, he was looking at it and you saw him at the game taking notes in Perth and yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be a, a serious contender. No, it looks I, like they've narrowed it down to a couple of candidates now and I doubt Harry Kuehl is the second one to Jack Ross or whatever. Have you heard, have you heard anything about how, uh, how close it is? It's, well, I've heard that it's very close to being Jack Ross and could be a formality but uh, right? you never you, you never know how these things are going to go. They've they've definitely, good source on this one. Have you? Yeah, they've def- uh, yeah, they've they definitely do. spoken. Yeah, oh, yeah, but they've they've spoken like two or three times uh, with Hebs. I don't know. I don't know anything about his involvement with Hearts. But uh, Barry's obviously said he's been interviewed by Hearts as well. But uh, I know he's he's spoken to Hebs at least two or three times. So do you think it's a case of whoever's paying Jack Ross more is where he's going to go? I would think he would go wherever he reckons he can do a better job. Yeah. And I mean, whoever the bigger budget would be the best choice, but. You look at how things have gone really weird at Hearts the last few years, it might put you off it, whereas Hibs were on the up with Neil Lennon before. I mean, this doesn't work with Paul Heckenbottom, right? But then there's players there, and if he likes to play a certain way and he likes to keep the ball, uh, he's got players who could do that. So that might that might suit him more. Uh, I mean, Harry Kuehl, I don't think he'd be a real option just now. I think it is important both these teams... I mean, this sounds stupid. They have to get it right, obviously. Yeah. But I don't see any need to, to, to rush it. There's also no need to um, go for one of these managers who just does the rounds and does two years somewhere and gets fired. Like, what ambition does that show? Yeah. Get someone who's on the up. Like, get someone like Derek McInnes was at Aberdeen. You know, like a choice like Alex Neal, something like someone who is young. They've got this theory that I've written extensively on that managers have to have won something by the time they're 43 or they don't end up being a top manager. So get one of the managers who is of a younger age who has shown signs that they have, or maybe already have won something at any level. I mean, like, even division two in Bulgaria or something like that do you think you're maybe describing someone like John Kennedy the Celtic assistant 36 forced, yeah. you know he's been a coach for the last 10 years because he was forced into into retirement um, you know he's been a scout a coach at Celtic he's been Neil Lennon's assistant but a lot, a lot of managers started their careers like that I mean you know a lot of them weren't good enough to be actual players I mean, people like Josie Mourinho and stuff like that but uh, I mean, Brendan Rodgers is sort of similar he was never really a player and he started, off, and 36 is young, so it might be too young. He might be thinking he's not quite there yet. He doesn't want to go in. You maybe look at what happened to Ian Cathero, a hugely highly respected coach um, who got labelled a laptop manager by various newspapers and that. Like, it didn't work for him there either. But Cathero is really highly regarded. And look, look, look where he's been, like, all over the world, basically, uh, and doing great things at Wolves now as well. Felix Magat to Hearts, please. Can this actually happen? Just for the comedy value. <laughs> I, I would, I'd love to see Uche Ikpiezu being told to rub a block of cheese on his knee to, to, cure, his, uh, to, to cure his problems. That's because um, Magat told uh, it was Breda Hangeland, wasn't Hangeland, it? To treat, yeah. treat his muscle uh-huh. injury with cheese. And the Hearts players, I love it. Wait, I bet I there's just... some sort of scientific merit to that. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Magat was quoted on it saying that it's an old wives' tale and he thought that might work. Well, wow. maybe sometimes it's psychological. They try all different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, Felix Magat, I know like he gets ridiculed whatever because of the way he looks and things, but he, he uh, looks like Penfold. He looks like Penfold, from, from, yeah. From, he's oh, Danger Mouse. He's won, some major, he's won major trophies and major... Yeah, league. he's won the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah. If you can get a manager to have won the Bundesliga to come to your club, I mean, I, I, but, but surely he's got some merit. You might, you might want, Hearts fans might want uh, an authoritarian to come into their club, but 
you do have some players that aren't fans of McGat, like Jefferson Farfan said he would rather work down a Peruvian salt mine than work for McGat again. But there's a lot of players don't like because I think he's quite from the the little I know of this McGat is that he's quite old school. I'll say like his his training methods are quite they belong in the older style. I'm sure he's adapted to now. But I mean, there's players who talk uh, of how little they enjoyed playing under Antonio Conte because it's so like mentally hard like always running 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 as a drill sergeant that gets you going mm-hmm. but then maybe that's what Hearts want although with their injury record I'm not sure working harder and harder and harder and that especially if McGat um, installs his, his hill that he always likes to install at, at training yeah. grounds yeah, a hill as well he always brings a hill well, he doesn't carry it with him so <laughs> you're going to have to explain this to me he brings a hill uh, he usually installs a hill at training grounds what do you mean he installs a hill and it's, and it's called Mount McGat where does he get <laughs> But technology's advanced now. You what? get tre- you get treadmills that do that now. No, 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 no. Where's yeah, he yeah. getting a hill? What do you mean he brings a hill? Oh, he, no, he gets a hill installed to a yeah. training ground. It's not like he's oh, dragging really? tons of dirt with him. And a, and what, a, what do you mean install a hill? <laughs> I don't get that's... people to run up and down them. That's oh why I'm saying. God. That's why I'm saying. You're absolutely right. It yeah. wouldn't be good for Hearts. I, t- I tell you uh, what, they were like. Problem. When he was at Stuttgart, he had the players drinking a pint of beer before every single game, an hour before kickoff. I mean, this is this is why he has to come to Scotland, <laughs> even if it isn't Hearts. This guy was made for our game, just for the banter. I would add um, into the mix same Austin McPhee, right? So abs- yeah. I'm this is the weird thing with up. Hearts yeah, because yeah. they're looking for a sporting director, and surely you'd hire that first before you hire the manager and it's so weird the way they've done it because Craig Levine had everything he had his hands in every single pie like all over that club because Zambod seemed to really like it but now she's just gone now nah, we'll have to start again so the sporting director is really important but McPhee I mean the way they played in the last game showed that uh, it was a 5-2 they won and they played really nice forward football they did have a lot of their players back from injury <laughs> for Whoa, sure but spot. he also he changed the training methods he, he took them up north to um, to St Andrews didn't he so he tried something different he took them away from the whole Levine thing it's really clever really really clever it's clever when it works but then you it did work I know but then you look at uh, like Gary Caulfield for example getting you know made fun well, of because of the SAS that was a bit more extreme wasn't well, it well yeah <laughs> there's yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. getting yeah. kidnapped by the SAS and there's Robin uh, is there, is there a, a merit in uh, bringing up Neil Warnock who left Cardiff last week yeah he's a bit of an arsehole really but I mean he'd be he's a fantastic manager he gets and I think he'd suit the Scottish game really well actually I I, um, I took Neil Warnock to Cambridge United um, for a training session I was um, doing this feature around Neil Warnock and um, what a funny guy <laughs> what a oh, funny funny guy um, well, I'm not trying I have to say about him. I mean also like the character Neil Warnock is a bit it's of okay a he's not my best mate no no but just in general <laughs> you can't just slap people off but, but Neil Warnock on the, on the training ground he actually brings a lot of um, fun to the training grounds so he took this one session Richard Money was the, the manager of, of Cambridge United at this time um, so we're talking about seven years ago um, but he brings a lot of fun he did this session where he basically got uh, it was like six or eight versus five and the 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 five were just in defence, and you just had all the all these seven eight attackers just trying to score goals, and it was just absolutely rapid. You only had um, a three minute burst to get the ball in the back of the net, and then after the three minutes, it would swap, and the attackers would become defenders, and the defenders would get an extra three players or something like that, and then they would attack, and it was it was just so fast paced, and everyone came out of it absolutely knackered, but really enjoying it because it was just a bit of fun. I would say that's fun, but it also just raised you to. I mean that's a pretty standard coaching setting. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, but seeing it firsthand, 
it takes you know it takes a little bit out of your I norm, know, yeah. your norm. You know, well, that's exactly why I wanted to do the coach in the first place. So I could yeah. try and work out all that stuff. Was the other thing we should like? So if we think no one, it would, would do well um, at either Hibs or Hearts. Honestly, he really would. Uh, Sven Goran Eriksson linked to sporting director. Why is he linked with everything? Yeah. He's like a like a, some omnipotent force that <laughs> floats in and out. Like, is it him? He goes with the breeze, or is it just? Just want to it reminds me a bit like the demon head master. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> yes. And John Robertson's in their manager list. Like, like, like Hearts, you know, a club legend, really. John yeah. and the word legend's thrown around a lot these days, but John Robertson's one of them. The manager at Kai Thistle. He's also managed at Hearts before, but it was not for a long time, less than a season, 50, what, 15 yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah, right? Yeah. The other thing, uh, other manager, which I'm surprised has not really been linked, is John Hughes. I thought he'd. Be in the mix somewhere. For Hearts. For Hearts. Well, not for Hearts, but for either yeah, okay, of them. Yeah, because yeah, he did manage Hibs as well himself. Mm-hmm. Yogi. Yogi. Uh, good great, manager. Great nickname. He's been throwing his name in the hat for, for a lot of jobs, hasn't he's, he? He's throwing his name every, in the hat for the Scotland job. Yeah, I know. He, so I could manage Scotland. Every he's time a he decent manager. Sport, he's done well. I mean, he's kind yeah, of been frozen it's, out, it's, though, it's now, been a, he? It's been a while, though. Yeah. Oh, well. I just thought I'd mention Okay, time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power. Lee, help us out. Who's going to be rocking up in Edinburgh as the new managers for Hearts and Hibs? <laughs> well, we're edging towards the conclusion here, we think. One side of the city more so than the other. Let's start at Hearts. Austin McPhee is the favourite now to get that job on a full-time basis. He's evens with Stephen Robertson slipping back in the bet into 9-2. to two. There have, though, been two intriguing moves in this market involving two quite incredible characters that would be a gain for any major league. I think so, anyway. Neil Warnock is the new third favourite for the Hearts job at 6-1, to one, having left Cardiff, while Felix McGat is into 9-1. to one. Over at him, it's a lot less chaotic there. Jack Ross now 1-4 to four to get the job there. In fact, he's probably already got the job, hasn't he? What's the first goalscorer market looking like for Scotland's trip to Cyprus on Saturday? Well, there's barely enough players to fill the market, isn't there? Thank God for Lawrence Shankland. And that may not be the last time you hear that phrase this weekend. He's evens to score any time in Cyprus. There is a gag about Iron Napa there. I'm going to leave it alone. Instead, you can get 3-1 to one on Shankland scoring first. Or you can get 5-1 to one on Stephen Naismith. And the same price for Ollie McBurney. Ollie Burke is 13-2 to two to open the scoring. In the Premiership, Rangers Sporting Director Ross Wilson says Alfredo Morelos will not be sold in January. Does that mean he's nailed on for top scorer then? Uh, no, not in a betting sense, but he is the favourite in our market. He's 2-1 to one to be the top goal scorer. Odson Edouard is 5-2, to two, second favourite, alongside Jermaine Defoe, the exact same price there. Then there's a big gap to the rest of the market. Sam Cosgrove, best of the rest, at 14-1. to one. We think it's a free horse race. And yes, Morelos is leading the way. It's a big game at the bottom of League Two for Stirling Albion on Saturday. Stirling host Annan Athletic at Fourth Bank. And I'm delighted to say Albion manager Kevin Rutkovic joins us now. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Look, this is an Annan side that won 5-2 against Brecon on Tuesday. So they're in some hot form right now. Yeah, I think there's a... I don't think there's much between, obviously, even you consider breaking, to be honest, between them and sort of playoff places. You know, I think there's a really tight league. We had a, a nils each ran in uh, the first game of the season down there. So this is the sort of return leg of that one. And uh, we're looking forward to it, you know. We feel that we've, we've got the players here, the squad here to go and cause them problems. And obviously it's up to them to come up with the answers. 
to the questions that they're going to pose us. So I think it'll be a good game. You know, every game we've had with Aaron has been. So um, I don't see this one being any different. So Sterling's scored the fewest goals in League Two, but you've also conceded the fewest. Um, the games are pretty tight usually. Is that um, something that you do on purpose? Is that your, your preferred setup of the team? No, no, not at all. Uh, we've just got good players. We've been extremely unlucky. Uh, we've not been clinical enough. Um, we've been creating chances on a weekly basis, plenty of them. So, you know, we have to obviously improve our, our ratio of taking them. Um, but, you know, for the outside in, it might look like a team that's in, but it couldn't be further for the truth. We've got a good quality side against the ball, you know, but as I say, we've no rubbery green at times. So, I mean, it is what it is, but some have to improve, obviously. What kind of style do you, do you want to play? Could you are, Well, you played mostly as a defender, right? But I know you played other positions as well during your, mm-hmm. during your time. Would you say if, um, that you want to kind of do an expansive thing or what do you think your uh, strengths are in your management now? Well, well I mean, you don't, listen, if you don't score goals, you don't win games. So that that's always been my ethos, is to, you know, score goals to win games. If by hook or crook, you know, in fact, actually against Dannon, we, we missed a penalty, you know, to win the game. And that's that's been the story of our season. You know, we've just not been clinical enough because the chances have been there. And I'd be a worried person if, if uh, we hadn't been creating chances, you know. But the, the philosophies and the principles of my management are to, to get at teams, get on the front foot and, and create as many chances as you possibly can. Um, as I say, but for people that haven't seen more games, might read it very differently looking at a, a league table. But uh, but I know you know we look to play you know as open as we can within the realms of you know being a bit kamikaze. But uh, <laughs> but I, it's um, no, it's you know it is what it is. It's a tight league. Often you find the first goal is pivotal, and uh, you know. But obviously we're well aware of our downfall so far this season, which has been that goals for column. So um, it's something we're, we're working on. Are you enjoying it? You enjoying management so far? Oh, loving it. Loving it. You know, it's football's my life. You know, it's something I'm extremely passionate about and, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. There's, you know, you, you've got people that give you stick, you've got people that give you a pat on the back. But for me, that's, that's just a sanctuary. Like, you know, the love comes in the, the training and on the Saturdays. That's a, it's something I've done my whole life, and it's something I'm going to continue to do. So I mean, it's it's brilliant. You know, I don't I don't get people to talk about pressure because it's the pressure you put on yourself. It's what you sign up for. So yeah, I love it. Do you, do you put pressure on yourself to keep writing music? Because if it all went pear shaped <laughs> in management, you know, you've always got your music that you can lean back on. Because you've released a couple of albums, haven't you? Shining in the dark just like a star. You've played at King Tut's as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've played a few gigs, you know, <laughs> at the wee mini tour. You're playing it down. Tut's is a great venue. Um, so, but I know, listen, fun times, but obviously, you know, this is my, this is what I'm better at. No saying I'm, I'm good at any of them, but I'm, I'm definitely better <laughs> at football than I was uh, playing guitar and singing. But it's, listen, it's something I've always just done on the side and, uh, it, you know, it gave me a wee sort of release, if you like, you know I mean, away from the football. So it was just something that, Occupied my time, um, other than the pub. So, uh, <laughs> so it kept out of mischief as well. I would say the music. Um, so, but I know all focus on football, hundred percent. Good news for Scotland's oldest club, Queens Park. They voted to go professional on Thursday night. Did you hear about this? The Glasgow club are the last remaining amateurs in the Scottish Professional Football League. 
On the subject of Glasgow, it's Rangers Colts up against Wrexham in the Tunnock's Caramel Wafers Challenge Cup. Ah, sounds so good. It's the quarterfinals for those two. Um, they've been away from home throughout this competition, but on Saturday they play at Ibrox. Are Wrexham good? Uh, yeah, I've seen them twice this season, actually. Have you? Yeah, really? But, been to uh, the racecourse grounds? No, I've only seen them in London. <laughs> really? Uh, one of my friends, a big Wrexham fan, and uh, he's he's going up for the game anyway. At Ibrox, they're all looking forward to to going up to a, a trip abroad. I don't think Wrexham will be looking really too forward to this. If I'm, they'll be probably looking forward to playing it uh, I, I, at Ibrox. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. But you know, there, they? yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah they few, will. They're, they're taking a good few fans. Yeah. They're well supported, Wrexham. They're a big club in that area, but they have struggled this season in the English fifth tier. They're in the relegation zone, so. I think Rangers Colts have got a really good chance. Graham Marty's in charge, who was obviously yep. manager of Rangers for a short while. How do we feel about the Colts possibly going to the final? Do we think it might happen? I mean, <laughs> I'm not too bothered about it. There's a lot of people fine, who are a bit it? kind of iffy about having Colts team in this competition. It's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, it's it's not like Barca B. It is just a junior team and a way for players to get back fit and for youngsters to, to try and work their way up to the first team. Well, it's, it's a, a weird very, competition. Uh, yeah, it's a very alternate competition. That's a one way of putting it with with uh, Welsh and Irish teams in it. And just just back again on the the Queen's Park story. Do we know what the the club motto is? Which I think is lovely. No, I can't remember the Latin, Latin but the yeah. translation of the Latin was to play for the sake of playing. So I, I really wish them all the best of luck because it's a nice wee club. Um, that's all the time we've got. Thank you, JJ. Thanks to Anthony. JJ's laughing at me for that. I don't know why. We club. They've got a 52,000 seat of stadium. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they sold it as well for plenty of millions. But that's it. We're all done. Thank you to producer Charlie for making the show. And thanks to Little Kicks for our little theme song. And thanks to you, most of all, for listening. Without you guys, we wouldn't be around. So we'll be back next Friday looking ahead to the return of the Premiership. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter, and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Totally Football Show.